Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right, we are going to uh, begin this morning. We're continuing on in our series in prayer, but we'd like to begin this morning not just telling you about me telling you about prayer, but allowing some of, uh, some of the people in the church just kind of share what their prayer life looks like and some of the things that they're praying for. So if, if Jenny and Brian and Jocelyn and, and Brad, would, would you guys wouldn't mind just coming up? I think it's much more exciting and enjoyable listening to other people talk than listening to me talk. So, um, so we're just going to pray as we begin, and uh, then we're going to hear a couple of testimonies from people's lives. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much. God, for, for just our time together this morning. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to fix our eyes upon you. Jesus, you have been faithful and good to us. God, we, we pray for your time and your word this morning, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word, that you would help us, God, to have hearts opened and sensitive to your spirit, help us to have eyes and ears to, to see and to hear and God, give us, give us the faith to respond to you with wholehearted delight in all that you've done for us. So Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity. Amen. Amen. Well, Jenny, you want to just get us started here? Yes. Um, well, Johnny asked if um, I could just share along with the others, just kind of like a picture of maybe just how my day goes and stuff. Everybody's mm-hmm. different, but... I feel like um, I still have a lot of improvement <laughs> to go with this, and I'm sure we all feel that way. But um, my uh, my day, I feel like it starts um, after I drop my kids off at school, <laughs> um, or my daughter starts her homeschool work. Um, and when I was raising little little kids, toddlers and babies. I felt like it would be so much easier once they got older. So I always had that in the back of my mind. And that's not true (laughs) because it's still a choice. Like now I have all this time to myself and now I have to choose what to do with it. And so um, that's not to make anybody feel hopeless, but that's, I think that's an encouragement to know we're all in it together. We're all in different seasons and we all struggle at different seasons too. And so, um, but for me, I really don't have a, set thing, but I know that God, um, every day he impresses on my heart to just at least just sit and wait, just take 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long every day is different. But if I can just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to sit right here on this couch and I'm going to turn, you know, put my phone aside for a few minutes and turn off, you know, good morning America or whatever. And like, just be quiet and just sit and wait. A lot of times, you know, I, I feel almost all the time he does meet me, whether it's just um, praying for somebody or thanking him and praising him and um, or opening up the word. And so um, for me, I think that's pretty much the consistent thing is sitting and waiting. And that's helped me out so much. So. Yeah, when Johnny called me and asked me... <laughs> I was cracking up, you guys. I do not have this figured out at all. Um, So, you know, having a husband and three, like, practically adult children and three toddlers, 
there's a lot to pray for, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and then myself, can I get an amen? (laughs) So it's, um, yeah, I just, you know, like as Christians, we hear a lot about like other people. um, I try to listen, you know, when they talk, like how Johnny talks about chair time. Um, Lucky for me, I do have a chair that I spend a lot of time in, (laughs) right, honey? (laughs) Um, So I am trying to do that more, you know, and like Jenny talked about, just being still. And that's more like when I would spend time praying for other people. Um, But then like more sporadic through the day. Um, I know some of us were there when Amy spoke on prayer. Oh, if you guys got to listen to that, it was just, it was life changing. Um, She talked a lot about like how the Satan like feeds lies to us throughout the day. And I really am noticing more of that um, in my life. And I'm just trying to use that time to just rebuke it, you know? Um, Also, like, if I sense myself getting angry, that's when I would spend more time, you know, praying for myself in that moment. Lord, help me. Right now, I'm about to lose it on these people. (laughs) Um, So in Matthew 7, 7, it talks about, um, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Um, I have been asking for things and seeking for things that I literally had no hope for. And like, God is doing miracles. Like, it's crazy, you guys. (laughs) I've got some really great friends that are like, Josh, you got to pray through this stuff. You got to take it to the Lord. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't have hope for change. My heart is heart hard and it is awesome you guys almost immediately god gave me hope and i am seeing changes in areas i never even allowed myself to hope for um so praise god uh, i know here you go here comes the elder you know next to johnny who's the prof- the paid professional here's like the amateur professional i know but not true. Not true. It's it's not. You know, prayer does not like automatically just come easy. Um, it's definitely something that I have that I have to work towards and continue in um, and to grow in. I'm not there. I've not arrived by any means. Um, so I, just to kind of give you a snapshot of my day, because it, you know, as a as somebody who goes to work every day and has kind of a, have a real routine, um, and so for me, it's having to insert. I have to really find make sure that the prayer is in that routine. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. Um, so. I, for a while with a baby, I've been kind of just being lazy and getting up at the last minute and kind of getting, getting in the road, and I was kind of praying in my car, but I felt like, as John challenged us to the chair 15, although mine's not quite 15, I've been getting up like five, ten minutes earlier and trying to spend some time. I'll go, down, I'll go downstairs and make my lunch so my brain starts to wake up a little bit, um, but then I'll spend some time just praying, um, read, some, read a psalm, sorry, my psalm, and then pray into that, and then just kind of pray some for myself and for the family as, like, as the day starts. Just real brief, nothing real. It's, it's 5 a.m. There's nothing really, <laughs> not much going on up here, so, so I'm easily distracted, but, um, but just spend that time. And then usually when I get in the car, um, which is about like 5.45, so I'll try to take like 15 minutes to half hour to try to work in some prayer. Now, I don't pray that whole time. I'll be the first to admit it. I get distracted by everything. Um, but I try to take some of that time to pray for things that I feel like are my heart, things that I know are going on in the church, and the things that are going on with you guys. Um, for a while, I was just working through the 
through the directory and just praying for a different family every day. I'm kind of slacked off in that a little bit, but just praying for things that are going on that I know um, people need prayer for. And then throughout the day, it's just kind of some days I forget. I don't really do much prayer. And then other days I do. So I take walks at my breaks. And so I'll pray for people or pray for the, you know, my family, if stuff's going on, pray, help me, Lord, help me to be a good parent, because I feel like I'm <laughs> failing, you know, yesterday, and this all week, this month, whatever is going on, um, and just praying for whatever's going on, just whatever's the Lord has in my heart, and like I said, there's other days where I just walk and don't pray, or think, or thinking about work or something else, but, um, and then there's two other times where I feel like I really try to spend, with three other times, one is at dinner, we try to pray as a family, just for somebody not at the, not at the table, so trying to pray for you guys, praying for family, whatever, outside of just the, you know, the four of us. And then um, pray with the kids before we put it, when we put them down. So I've been trying to get up. With Adriana now, it's it's kind of helping her to pray just herself and trying to, like, insert, help her with along with words when she needs them. But, like, for a long time, it was me praying for her, and then it was kind of her repeating after me, and now just kind of teaching her, like, now you pray. Now you say something. Like, what are you thankful for? You know, and try to get her to talk with God. And then at night, Jane and I attempt to pray together before I fall asleep. I'll admit it. I'm the one who, like, Jane's probably halfway through a prayer, and I'm zonked out, but <laughs> if I remember to. But um, it's a goal of ours is to pray together for, like, I mean, it's like two minutes. It doesn't have to be anything wrong. Sometimes it's long. If we got something, like, kids are driving us crazy, you know, Jane's, you know, Jane or I are struggling through something, we'll spend some more time. But sometimes it's just a quick, Lord, help us with, you know, being good parents, you know, bless us, you know, as people and something's going on. Um, but... It's pretty simple, really, throughout the day, and just really making, trying to be intentional at that time. Um, I wanted to talk about something a little bit more specific in, in how God answered prayer. Um, and then uh, just, just really quickly, too, if it's okay, I'd like to just do a little life share plug. Um, I have really enjoyed, as, long, as well as with Julie, we've enjoyed our life share group uh, really enormously. And just the book is great. Um, the interaction and communication uh, around the book has been even better. So, um, yeah, Larry and Mitty have done a great job. They promised me bombers after this if I said something good. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks, you guys. Hey, but um, anyway, we were going through the early the early chapters of the book a couple of weeks back. Julie was in France, and um, I was home. I'm in the midst of just moved my parents last week from northern Minnesota, way up. Uh, Bemidji is the largest city. You've probably never heard of that, and that just kind of, kind of shows you how remote that is. But a tough move for mom and dad, uh, 650 miles. For 80-year-old people, they're struggling. And what does that do for as a son? You know, you're like in it, and you're, you're feeling the weight that's on them. And it, so it was a strain. And I'm a guy, and guys don't really feel the strain of small things. I, I don't know if you're, most guys are probably like me. I need compounded problems to really realize that there's a problem. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like, that's a little thing. And then I went out to Lowell to work on mom and dad's house. I'm under the sink and bumping my head. Nothing's going right. Nothing's getting done as it should on that same weekend. And that's, that's hanging over my head. I go back to my brother's that afternoon. And uh, we're about to head to the Lowell uh, football game. And uh, suddenly the, my nephew's girlfriend backs into our car, puts a big dent in it. I'm like, well, that's a problem. I said, you know, it's, but it's a little problem. I said, you know, don't worry about it, hon. We'll, we'll go to the game. We'll watch some football. Everything's going to be okay. And, um, you know, so that ends my night. I go home, wake up in the morning, thinking I'll have a nice breakfast with Josiah finally because it's my son. We haven't been able to do that in a long time because I worked a bunch of Saturdays strung together. So <sighs> finally a Saturday I can catch up and breathe and enjoy some time with my boy. 
And then I get a call from my brother before Josiah even wakes up at 6 o'clock saying, Hey, dude, do you have the remote control from mom and dad's house through garage door? Is it in your, is it in your, your car? I said, No, buddy. I would have seen that thing if it was in my car. He goes, Just check. So I go into the, you know, the little cubby in the front there, and there's the garage door. But can you run that back out to Lowell? I mean, she's like, Kathy really needs that thing. I'm like, You've got to be kidding me, man. I just wanted to have some breakfast and all the other things that happened. You know, now it's starting to compound, right? So we go to go to breakfast. Suddenly I get a call from Julie saying, Brad, I've lost my passport. She's in France. I'm on the TGV on the way back, on the way to Paris from Montpellier. I've, I don't have my passport. I can't find it anywhere. And then the call goes dead. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So now I have a big problem, right? But I still have to eat breakfast. So we go to around the clock. <laughs> and I sit with Josiah. I say, we are going to have breakfast. So I sit down to breakfast, and, I, and in my, I, I wrote a letter to the home group kind of detailing this out, but I said, you know, we didn't pray for the food. I didn't say, oh, Jesus, thank you for the food. We said, Jesus, we need a way through this. This whole thing has gotten to be a mess. Now, I'm not worried about the smaller things that just took place, God, but my wife needs to come home. I don't need her at the consulate tomorrow morning trying to find a passport or get some paperwork in order to come home. I want her home tomorrow. Lord, please send some French lady, some French guy to sit behind her and sort this thing out, would you please? And so Josiah had a chance to do that together with me, which was important to me, because when you got a 15-year-old, it's hard to connect, right? So we get to do this together. Breakfast comes, we eat it. I run over to Sentier across the street, cancel her cards and everything else, go home. I go to try to find paperwork for passport information, whatever I can find. I can't find anything to do with anything to, with, her, with her travel arrangements. I'm like, Jesus. So... All of a sudden, right when I'm down there, I get a call from Julie saying some French lady who sat behind her on the train had helped her sort out her, with the rental car agency her issues. They had the passport. She had to take the TGV back to Montpellier, gather up her passport information. Nothing was, there was no problem with anything. Everything was intact. No usage on the card. Just awesome. But what was so cool is that we got to pray together, Josiah and I, for something very specific, and God delivered it almost immediately, very specifically, just as we asked. So I cried and celebrated at the same time. But God cares about the details of our lives, you guys. And that was proof to me that that's true. Amen. Thank you, Brad. All right, you want to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6? We're looking at verse 10 this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. In 1957, a graduate student at Columbia University named Gordon Gould had been working with pumping atoms to higher energy states so they would emit light. As Gould elaborated his ideas and speculated about all the things that could be done with a concentrated beam of light, he realized he was onto something. In his notebook, he confidently named the yet-to-be-invented device a laser. Is that of a movie or something? Laser beam or something? Anyways. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Over a half century later, we are still seeing the impact of this remarkable tool. Very recently, Lockheed Martin boasted about their new laser, a ground-based prototype system that burned through an entire car engine in seconds from a mile away. The company called this laser system the most efficient and lethal version on the planet. As we begin looking at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus Christ 
begins the prayer talking about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and then he goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what that does for us is that there's like a laser focus, a laser beam of, of intentionality to say, Lord Jesus, what we are going to pray, whatever follows what I've, what I've just said needs to line up with this, this, this laser focus of your kingdom being first and foremost above everything else. It's got to fall in a line. We can't pray, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come, then move on and start praying about my kingdom. So with this morning, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to read about this laser focus of what Jesus Christ is really encouraging us to look at. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now as he begins to talk about the kingdom, there, there's probably a, a million different ways that we can begin to think, what does the kingdom mean? What does the kingdom look like? And fortunately for us, Jesus Christ talked a lot about the kingdom. He used parables, he, he taught about it, he, he drew pictures about it. I mean, everything he could do to talk about the kingdom. So even some of the parables, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds and it grows and increases and becomes a, a large tree. It talks about leaven in a, in, in a loaf of bread where it works through the entire loaf of bread so that the kingdom of God cannot be separated from the loaf. He also goes on to talk about the kingdom as being a costly pearl, a pearl of great price, a pearl that someone would give all that they have to acquire. He also talks about the kingdom of God being a, a treasure that has a value beyond anything we could possibly imagine. So what exactly is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is the dynamic reign of God in our hearts and over all of creation. It's the reign of God. It's the dynamic reign of God in our hearts, in our lives, and over all of creation. That God is somehow involved with, and he's, he's working through and working in, and, and he's, he's doing what only he can do. And with the coming of Jesus Christ, comes the kingdom, right? With the coming of Jesus Christ, we see the dynamic reign of God began. So the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, Jesus extends grace to this woman who's, who's getting ready to be, be stoned by a group of other men around her. Jesus extends forgiveness and mercy. The kingdom of God breaks in. Jesus raises a widow's son to life, this woman who has no hope. Her, her, her husband's gone. She has no other children. This is her only child. He passes away. Now she's got no hope for the future. Jesus Christ shows up, raises her son to, to life, gives, gives the son back to the, the woman. The kingdom of God breaks in. 
Or the sinful woman who's forgiven at the Pharisee's house during a party in Luke chapter 7. They're all gathered for this huge feast and Jesus Christ is invited. And here they sit around all these Pharisees, these leaders of the church. And and this woman shows up and she begins to weep and wipe wipe his feet with her hair. And Jesus Christ says, your sins are forgiven. The kingdom of God breaks in. More recently, on June 17, 2015, around 9.05 p.m., the Charleston Police Department began receiving calls of a, of a shooting at Emmanuel AME Church. A man described as white with sandy blonde hair, around 21 years old and 5 feet 9 inches in height, wearing a gray Sweatshirt and jeans opened fire with a Glock 41. It's a 40, 45 caliber handgun at a group of people inside the church at a Bible study attended by a number of people. The shooter then fled the scene. During the hour preceding the attack, 13 people, including the shooter, participated in a Bible study. So this guy shows up to a Bible study. The church is having a Bible study. This guy shows up. According to the accounts of the people who talked to survivors, when the shooter walked into the historic African-American church, he immediately asked to sit next to the pastor. And he initially, this, this individual, began to listen with others during the study. He started to disagree when they began discussing Scripture. And eventually, after waiting for the other participants, he began, after the other participants began praying, he stood up and pulled out a gun, aiming it at 87-year-old Susie Jackson. Jackson's nephew, 26-year-old Taiwanza Sanders, tried to talk to him down and, and asked him why he was attacking the churchgoers. The shooter responded, I have to do it. You rape your women and you're taking over our country and you have, you have to go. Then he expressed his intention to shoot everyone. Sanders dove in front of Jackson was the, and was shot first. The suspect then shot the other victims. That happened here in America, 2015. The, the shooting took place in a church. Now here's what happened. Later that week, the relatives of the people slain inside the historic African-American church in Charleston, South Carolina, they were able to speak directly to the accused gunman at a Friday court appearance. One by one, those who chose to speak at a bond hearing did not turn to anger. Instead, while he remained impassive, they offered him forgiveness and said they were praying for his soul, even as they described the pain of their losses. I forgive you, Nadine Collier, the daughter of 70-year-old Ethel Lance, said at the hearing, her voice breaking with emotion, You took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Some people chose not to speak. Others, like a relative of Myra Thompson, echoed the forgiving sentiment, calling on on Ruth to repent. I acknowledge I am very angry, said the sister of DePayne Middleton. But one thing that DePayne always enjoyed in our family is she taught me that we are a family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive. I pray God 
on your soul. That is the kingdom of God breaking into one of the most horrific and painful situations imaginable. But that is the kingdom of God. That is the rule and reign, the gracious rule and reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts and the lives of the people who stood there looking at the, looking at the murderer and saying, I choose to forgive. It's the reign of God breaking in. So how does the Bible then describe the kingdom of God? Romans chapter 14, verse 17. We read this, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's something about the reign of God, the rule of God, that is not just a tyrannical reign or some just meaningless reign. It is a reign that brings righteousness, peace, and joy. In the midst of hardship. Now as we pray for this, because we can pray for the kingdom, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. It just rolls off the tongue. But when we really get down and think about, Lord, what, is, what exactly am I praying? I mean, Lord, what am I, asking, what am I asking for? Lord, would I be willing to say in the midst of looking the person who murdered my grandmother or my, my spouse or one of my kids in the eye, praying, Lord, that your kingdom come, am I really praying that somehow I would have to offer forgiveness for that? It moves praying for God's kingdom from this kind of otherworldly thing that we just, it's out there to saying, no, there are specific ways in which God's kingdom comes in its situations. And in that moment, in that courtroom, the kingdom of God coming and showing up look like those who've been victimized and traumatized, them offering forgiveness to the murderer, their family members. It means something. It's powerful. But as we pray for the kingdom of God to come, it's, it's not just that, in one sense, righteousness, peace, and joy would take place, but it's also asking, because the triumph of God's advancing kingdom, it means that all lesser kingdoms must fall. Right? It's not just that the good would happen. It's, it's that you know, when the good happens, when the light shows up, the darkness has to flee. It's not that the, 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 the darkness and, the, and that has to stay put while we do our things. No, the advancement of God's kingdom means there are other kingdoms that are lesser kingdoms that must bow to the kingdom of God, that must take their place before the kingdom of God, subservient. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You don't have to turn there, but in the, key, in the NIV it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air. There is another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. It says, when the gospel of Jesus Christ shows up, when Jesus Christ shows up, 
and he delivers us from the kingdom of darkness, that kingdom has to bow to the kingdom of God because we are brought out of one kingdom and brought into another. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is a kingdom that we are a part of that's not just out there but in our hearts that Jesus Christ has brought us to and led us to and invited us into the cross, the rugged cross. We find salvation and resurrection, and life and hope in Jesus. That is what we have in Christ, that that kingdom reigns over all the other kingdoms. The advancement of God's kingdom of light means the regression of the kingdom of darkness. Where light comes, darkness must flee. What would this prayer look like at your job, in your family, in parenting, in dating, college life, marriage, church, in your neighborhood? See, this, this prayer is a prayer that gets specific when we think about the different instances in our lives, the way we interact with our neighbors, the way we interact with our co-workers, how we conduct ourselves at work. Lord, your kingdom come in this moment, my job, my home. What does it look like for your kingdom to come into my marriage, the way I parent my children? A friend of mine shared a story with me that I'm going to share with you that I feel like really represents the kingdom of God showing up. A friend of mine, when he was in high school, or there shortly after, it was around 30 years ago, he knew someone at his school that had a Harley Davidson motorcycle. So one night he went and stole that motorcycle. And at the time he wasn't a believer, didn't know Christ. And as the years passed and the decades passed, he came to know Christ. Give his life to the Lord. And one night as he's praying and, and, and talking to the Lord, he felt like the Lord said, you know that motorcycle you stole? You need to do something about that. Now, it's been 30 years. right? It's been 30 years since he stole this motorcycle, but that's hanging there. It's, what would it look like for the kingdom of God to come into that moment? right? That's painful. I don't know what it would cost to restore or find a 30-year-old Harley-Davidson, but that's not going to be cheap. So he, he found where this guy was. He, I mean, he was acquaintances with the guy. He was, obviously wasn't friends with the guy, but he was acquaintances. He knew where he lived. So he said, hey, I know I haven't talked to you in 30 years, but can I come over and talk with you? And he felt this is what it meant. This is what it meant for the kingdom of God to enter into this relationship, into this moment. So he goes over to the guy's house, says, I know I haven't seen you in 30 years and since high school, and uh, I just want to, I have something I need to tell you. I stole your motorcycle 30 years ago. He so said, the guy was shocked. Like, really? <laughs> 30 years you've waited to tell me this? And, you know, and this isn't, wasn't one of those moments where the guy drops to his knees and says, what must I do to be saved? You know, it wasn't one of those moments. 
But there's something in that that he was able to say, look, I've become a Christian since then. And I follow Jesus Christ. And this, he's a... He put on my heart to come and just confess to you that I stole your motorcycle and I'll do whatever it takes to make it right. Whatever, whatever the cost, whatever it means, I want to restore that which I've stolen from you. And the guy, unbelievably, I think the guy called his wife in there and said, hey, honey, come here. You got to hear this, you know. And the guy said to him, you know what? Don't worry about it. You're forgiven. And that guy wasn't a Christian that he stole it from, but I thought, that's what it looks like in real life. There are times when, when whether it's, it's, it's the things that we've done in the past or just the way in which we live tomorrow at work, as we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, it's not just something out there. It's specific for our lives, for tomorrow, for this afternoon. Lord, what does it look like for your kingdom to come into my family? As I eat lunch with my family, or as I, as I go home today, or I participate in Life Share Group, or I, I, I show up at work tomorrow morning, or the way that I drive my car to work in the morning with all the, the crazy traffic around me, and everything else that's going on, God, your kingdom come, that means something. And my challenge for us, my challenge for us this morning, is that we would be sensitive to the Lord, that we would... Take a moment to ask God, God, what would it mean for you, for your kingdom to show up, for your your gracious and good reign and rule in, in my life and in this world? What would that mean for me at work tomorrow with that coworker I don't quite get along with, with that boss who's who's nagging me all the time? What would it mean for me to 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 somehow find a way to to engage with that neighbor that I, I can't stand? Or that family member that I'm harboring bitterness against. Or I've I've withheld forgiveness. God, what does that mean? Because Lord Jesus, you've got a purpose in this. Me saying this means, Lord, I really mean that. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, you may be asking me to do some things that are a little uncomfortable. Like go back to someone after 30 years and say, I've stolen your motorcycle. That is uncomfortable. And it could be really expensive. But as we think about this, what is it that the Lord is putting on your heart right now? What is it that the Lord is, is, is pressing on your heart right now? The Lord's doing something. We prayed that today. We prayed that because we meant it. I want to read, I want to close this morning before we, before we celebrate communion Because as we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the presupposes that what's happening in heaven right now is the will of God, right? It presupposes that, Lord, whatever's going on here, I know in heaven there are some things going on, Lord, that perfectly exhibit your will and demonstrate your will and your heart. And And by the grace of God, we've been given at different points in Scripture, pictures and windows into heaven. What's going on there? What, what is God's heart for his kingdom? What does that look like? Revelation 21, 1 through 7. You don't have to turn there. 
looking at the, a, a future age, a, an age to come that is near. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this as his heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. Somehow, the peace of God, the reign of God is taking place. Then chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will, be, will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light or of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That the reign of God as we ask for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the reign of God, what it looks like. So we're going to pray, we're going to close, and we're going to take communion, but I want to just encourage us. It's the kingdom of God coming in your situation. Is, it's going to be different for every single person. It's going to look different because I believe as, as, we, as we quiet ourselves before the Lord, right, God's the good shepherd, and the sheep, the sheep hear his voice. I believe that as his sheep, as his people, that he's going to begin to press things on our hearts and begin to, begin to encourage us with some things. That as we think about what does his kingdom look like, that we would be able to walk forth with, with joy and expectation, God. Whatever this looks like, whatever the cost, whatever it may mean, Lord, I'm willing because I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done through me. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning. Lord, we do ask, and it's a, it's a scary ask, because we know, Lord, that you may ask us to do things that it will be costly. It, it may be embarrassing. It, it may mean we have to humble ourselves. It may mean that we have to say we're sorry. But Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, that is our prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would speak specifically to each one of us. Let your Holy Spirit press upon our hearts what that would look like.
God, as we leave here this morning, God, that we would go forth aware, Jesus, that you have invited us into a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. And Lord Jesus, that we have the privilege of participating with you Lord God, we pray. Help us, God. Give us the grace. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to respond with faith-filled obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.